Andrew sharing this morning on leaving a lasting legacy, but before I start, I just want to break um, a liar, and I want to say that you guys are intimidating, <laughs> so I want to break the lie if you think you're not intimidating, you are, and that's for the kingdom, but I, it's really a privilege and honor to, to speak to you this morning, and I just want to start off by saying, if you don't know me, my name's Rion, and I am a husband to, to Lee. My wife is over there. We married just short of 20 years. Um, I'm going to tell you the exact years because that's going to let my brain think about um, certain things. And I've, I'm a father of a daughter, Kara, that's um, approaching her teens very quickly. And um, this message this morning is for young and old. It's for if you just started out on your journey with Christ, if you just finished school, if you just finished varsity, or if you're sitting here and you've been a Christian for quite a while, or you getting, you know, you're getting older in life, you're getting more mature. I don't want to say that you're old, you're getting more, more mature. So it's applicable to everyone. But legacy, there's, there's two pulls to legacy. On the one side, there's a legacy that Satan wants us, uh, pulls us towards bad stuff, wrong choices. But there's a good legacy pull too, where God wants us on the other side, which is good things and a godly legacy that, that we are born to, to build. Um, and if we look at our life, I just want to ask you a question this morning. Do you believe God makes junk? If you believe God makes junk this morning, just put up your hand so Andre can take you to the back room there and start the counseling process. But jokes aside, I don't believe that God makes junk. Why do I say that? Because it says in the Word of God, in the beginning, it says God has created us in His image. Not so. It also goes on to say that when we were formed in our mother's womb, He ordained all the days of our life before us. And let me tell you this morning that those were good plans. They were good pur- purposes. If you look at Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, it sums that up. He's got good plans for us. But it's our choices, too, that create this legacy in life. And this message, as I, as I prepared it and as I believe God wanted me to speak to you about this morning, is I've been through a lot in my life. And maybe I'm not the one that should be talking about legacy. I think if you think this morning you've messed up, I've messed up even bigger. But, it's, you know, it's, it's not about that. It's not about the mess up. It's about what, what God can do through it. It's, it's how God restores legacy and um, how he can, can work through it. So I just want to encourage you this morning just to open your hearts to receive this word because I believe it will really impact this town, this city, South Africa, and the nations. Okay. So I just want to start this morning by just opening up in prayer. So if you can just close your eyes with me. Father, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for each person yeah, Lord. I pray right now, Father, that you will cultivate their hearts right now. You will, you will cause a cultivation to come, Father, that your seed that you have purpose for this morning, you will drop it in that cultivated soil right now in the spirit, Father, that you will close up that soil and you will germinate that, that seed, Father, that it will bring a lasting legacy. Father, that its root system will go deep in our hearts this morning. And Father, we can do what you have called us to do, to create this lasting legacy and impact in this country, Father, and in our lives and in the people that we meet on a daily basis. 
in Christ's name. Amen. I just want to start off quickly. I'd like to show you a little bit of my um, journey so far. So leaving a lasting legacy. Just before we start, this was done at, at my 40th birthday party um, in Queenstown when we were still living in Queenstown, and that was some five years ago. So I am approaching 50. Hopefully we'll do another one and add 10 years of legacy, but just let it roll, and I'm just going to talk while it goes through. Okay, that's me, little chubby boy, Rion. Okay, 1970 I was born, and in all of our lives, our legacy starts when? When we were born. Still chubby at nine months, <laughs> eating a lot of mini-meal. My sister, Melanie, is going to roll through my other three sisters. Cindy, the youngest or the oldest from the left, Deborah, Melanie in the middle, and Cindy. On holiday at Kids Beach, we grew up in King Williamstown. My sisters had a lot to play in my legacy. They used to dress me up as a girl, so they tried to alter my gender. Here's my younger sister. I always liked fast cars, red ones, Ferraris. Here's my grand, my mom. My dad, happy family, legacy begins. Boxing, preparing for a showdown, as it says there, with my sisters again. It will roll on just now, get a bit more interesting. Like sweets, obviously. Okay, there's the godly legacy starting. Hallelujah. Shepherd. You can see my love for red cars and fast cars. See, playing as a lady. What a shocker at a school play. 10th birthday. Yo, who's that? <laughs> Dell College. It's a privilege to go to the best school in the country. And there started the legacy of my sporting career, which I was blessed with the ability that God gave me. That one you shouldn't see. I don't know what's happening there. That's that bad legacy I was talking about. Went to infantry school. I was a lieutenant in the army. Taught me a lot. That's not true. So I think our legacy is also of what, of what we do, the abilities that God's given us. You know, and some of it 
like we heard this morning, the guys with the, with the music, that's their ability. Others is sport. Um, you know, there's lots of different giftings that God gives us, but it's how we use that to create a legacy. That was when the Bulldogs were the Bulldogs. It's with my family and brother-in-laws. And I just wanted to show this. It's about another minute. Just Lee and myself, we were school sweethearts. Just with Lee at our metric dances, 1989. That was in Army. She came up and visited. Our wedding days around the corner. They were married in '96. That's Lee's sisters. It was an anointed marriage course that we did. It was when we were expecting Kara. You see what they did to us in Queenstown, eh? We should start that in East London. Okay, I think we can stop it there. Okay, can you just give us the lights there, please? So there's a lot of uh, things that happen in your life that create legacy. I want to touch on that this morning, which is memorials. I believe we need to look and build memorials when good things happen in our life. You know, when we get married, when we get baptized. And to the men that got baptized now, I also got baptized in the middle of winter. So that's a true, um, <laughs> it's a true man that gets baptized in the middle of, of winter. And all of them say amen that are yeah. Eh? But we need to create these, area, these memories in our life and build the memorials that we can look back on them. You know, because Satan always wants us to look back on our, on our past and our, fail, and our fail, fail, failures, you know, when we did things wrong or when we made the wrong choice. But if we build godly memorials and when things have happened in a good way in our life, we can look back at that and can strengthen us, okay? So you can go to the first slide there. I want to tell you this morning that your legacy determines your destiny. Your legacy determines your destiny. And Retief Berger sings a song about I only have one life. But the words go, I want to live, I want to love, and I want to leave a legacy. Live, love, and legacy. I feel those are important words. So your legacy determines your destiny. What you do for Christ, how you live your life, your victories... And sometimes the rest of your failures create a legacy that ultimately determines how we spend eternity is your destiny call. So 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my dear brothers, be steadfast and unmovable. So let's just stay, say those two words this morning. Let's be steadfast together, steadfast and unmovable. Always excelling in the Lord's work because you know that the work that you do for the Lord isn't wasted. The work that you do for the Lord isn't wasted. So there's a call there to be steadfast, steadfast in the things of God, that it will not be wasted. And Christianity, I believe, is one generation away from extinction. And why do I say that? 
because we are only here this morning because someone told us about God. Not so. It was a grandmother, it was a mother, it was a friend, it was a colleague. It was someone told us about Jesus Christ. And there we started a relationship with him. And that's why we're seated here this morning. So therefore, there's also this calling upon us to pass it on to the next generation. Not so. To pass it on to your colleague at work, to your children that God has, that God has given you. To pass on this kingdom story of Jesus Christ. So the question is, what do we pass on? What do we pass on? What is the legacy that we want to leave behind? And Psalm 78.4 says the following, if we can read it there, We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds that, of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. So I want to just highlight there, we will not hide, we will not hide these truths. We will tell the next generation, so that's a calling for us to action, Tell them what? About his glorious deeds, his power, his might, and his wonder. And I believe there's two things that we are called to pass on. It's faith and values. Faith and values. If we look at 1 Corinthians 13, 13, what does it say? We know that scripture very well. It speaks about faith, hope, and love. Not so. So I looked up these three words in the Bible, and faith is mentioned 246 times in the Bible. Hope is mentioned 185 times in the Bible, and love is mentioned 733 times in the Bible. But I went further and looked at a, a word give, speaks of generosity, give. Giving in the Bible is mentioned 2,285 times. So collectively more than what faith, hope, and love put together is mentioned. And why? why? Why is this? I believe it's because generosity is the practical expression of these three values. Generosity is the practical expression of these three values. It is the way we express faith, hope, and love. So the question this morning is, is one of our current legacy aspects or something that we build in one of generosity? And I was fortunate enough to listen to a lady called Lynn Glover. We went to a, a business breakfast at um, the old Quigney Baptist. And um, Shane Willard was, was speaking, but Lynn Glover did the intro. And she's, do, she's, she's running a soup kitchen in Quigney. And I, it, it, it was so powerful. Andre was, was with me, but I just had tears in my eyes. The calling that is on this lady, and how people see Jesus in her. I don't want to go into all of her stories, but I'll just mention one or two. Is they've started the soup kitchen in the Quigney area, okay? That's her generosity. She feels God's called her to her. It's, it's part of her legacy that she feels she has to leave, and it's her calling. And they've met people from prostitutes to a guy that came to her with a jacket. He opened the jacket. He had no clothes on, but uh, it wasn't a sexual thing. It, it, he, he was full of lies, completely full, his whole body. He just had sores all over his body. He said, please help me. Please help me. I've been on the street for 20-odd years, and this is what I'm battling with. She helped him. They took her for medical attention, took him, and... Um, the story goes, and I'm going to paraphrase it, but 
in the end, he said, I saw Jesus Christ through you. You represented Jesus to me. That guy died in her arms. He died in her arms because of being on the street for so, so long. His health deteriorated. Another story goes, she was um, being called to a, an African country, and they did ministry on a dump site. The dump site, she said she's never seen anything like it before. The mountains of, dump, of, of, of the dump were bigger than the mountains in that country. That's how huge it was. And the children were living in the dump site, not living outside. Physically, um, like doing holes and that, and living in that, in that site. And she said she was praying, and she was with a lady, I think it was from Sweden, that was also doing missionary work, and she was like doing the fire and brimstone, you know, you must give your life to God and whatever, whatever. And she just had the sense in her heart that she just had to love the people, you know. She mustn't talk down to them. She must just love them. But when she was praying in the Spirit, she saw this vision of Jesus walking on top of this dumb site, barefoot, no shoes, walking there. And it just resonated with me that that's where Jesus is. I know he's everywhere, but that's where he is. He's with the needy. He's, he's with those people. But if we aren't called to do something about it, if we aren't called to action, if we aren't called to action, we can't make a difference. And since, since I listened to that about a month ago, it's just stuck with me. I just can't get it out of my, my mind. That God is calling us to be people of generosity, but to calling us to an action in the areas. And I love what we're going to do in Southernwood, but calls us to an action, to impact the community in ways that people can see, touch, and feel. You know, that we don't have to go with our, with our mouths. Yes, we can talk about the gospel, but in our actions, they can see Jesus Christ. Isn't that a calling? There are many legacy leavers in the Bible. I mean, if you just look at Jesus, it's a prime, prime example of someone leaving a legacy. There's many others. There's Moses, Joshua, there's David, there's Peter, there's Paul. There's many others that I can mention. But as you sit here today, I want to tell you, you are leaving a legacy. If we look in the dictionary and if we look at what it actually means, a legacy is something that remains after we leave this world. Something that speaks of our lives. It is the effect we have on people when living. The true legacy of each human being is written in heaven. Our legacy is a reality, and we all have one. And this is a positive, a positive message this morning. It's about um, creating that godly legacy. It's not, I'm not trying to talk condemnation onto anyone. I'm trying to get into that how important a godly legacy is, that when you go out of here, you can say, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that, and I know it's a godly legacy, it's a positive legacy that I want to do in this community. So we need to ask ourselves whether the world, we, sorry, let me just restart there. We need to ask ourselves the following question. We need to ask ourselves whether the world will be a better place because we have lived in it. I want you to think of that for a second. Is the world a better place because you have lived in it? 1 Peter 2.15 says, For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. 
1 Peter 2.15, I want to read that again. For this is the will of God, it's his will, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I also want to just stress building a legacy. Sometimes it can be, you know, we, we think about the world when it comes to a legacy. It's all about me, not so. It's about what I have done. That's not a godly legacy. Philippians 2, 3 to 4 says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also the interests of others. So we're always looking out for our brothers. We're esteeming them higher than, our, than ourselves. And if it's a godly legacy, it will always esteem our brothers. It will always lift up people, okay? I want to just touch now quickly on building memorials, thus leaving a lasting legacy. I believe that God in his infinite wisdom knew that sometimes we are going to forget. We're going to forget the things, the breakthroughs in our lives, when God has come through for us, the prophecies that we've had on our lives. So he called us to build these memorials. Why do I say that? In Deuteronomy 6.12, Moses, talking to Israel, he said, Be careful that you do not forget what the Lord your God has done for you by bringing you out of Egypt and in, out of the land of, of slavery. So the Hebrew meaning for a memorial is to remember. If we look at Moses, Mount Sinai, what did he do? He built and an and altar, not so, a memorial. Joshua 2 with the 12, you remember he sent the 12 into the river to bring out the stones to build an altar, a memorial. And we need to do that in our lives so that when we look back, we can look at the times that God has come through for us, when God has come through for us. So why is it important to build a memorial? And I've got it up there, if we can go to the next slide. It helps us to remember what God has done in our lives. It aids us in telling personal stories, testimonies of God working in us, through us, and it triggers our memories. We need to record our victories. On a daily basis, you need to record your victories. And God's been so gracious to us, not so. We don't have to go out there and get stones and build a memorial. We can use a laptop, uh, a cell phone, and a tablet, and a diary. So it's much easier than, than it was. But we need to Note down what God is doing through us and the victories that we have on a daily basis. I just want to share a personal testimony about that. I haven't told my wife that I'm sharing this, but um, I'm sure she'll be okay with it. <laughs> we battled to have Kara. You saw Kara there. Uh, we had a couple of mis mis miscarriages before. And the one church service, we had a, ministry, uh, a, a pastor that that was ministering to us from overseas, a guy by the name of Tony Fitzgerald. And during the service, he was prophesying on different people, and he um, asked Lee to stand. So he gave this following prophecy. I'm, I'm going to shorten it, but basically the prophecy was about you can have an issue of blood in your life, but God wants to tell you, don't worry, don't fear, he will be with you and he will bring you through. Not such a nice prophecy, eh? <laughs> you know, we always talk about to receive the good and throw away the bad. But 
when God talks, he talks. Anyway, Lee was confused about this. We went to uh, friends of ours that, that used to talk into our lives, Chris and Tracy, and Lee says, no, she's very uncomfortable about this prophecy. She's, she's, she's not going to receive it. You know, what's this issue of blood now? Must I go to the doctor and get tests of my blood and everything? Anyway, so we battled through it. Uh, we didn't receive it or, or we didn't make a note of it, but we should have. God works in different ways, and sometimes even if you think a, prof- a prophecy isn't for you, make a note of it and put it in your diary. But two years later, um, or forward about a year, I suppose, eh, Lee, she fell pregnant with Kara, and Lee had a very bad experience with Kara. When, 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 when Kara was born, the doctors here in East London, which I won't mention names, left placenta inside of Lee, unbeknown to us. So from with Kara giving birth, um, Lee giving birth to Kara, we then went back to Queenstown a day later, like everyone goes out of hospital so quickly, and bleeding was an issue. I'm not going to go into gory details, but I need to say that it was such an issue that I would rush her down to the local GP and I would have to wrap her in a duvet because that would not contain the blood. That's how much blood she, she was losing. In the meantime, her desire was to breastfeed Kara, so we're trying to, <laughs> for you that are married and have children, we're trying to attach Kara onto her. I mean, this is a two- or three-day-old baby to feed her. So that was a battle, as it is. Lee then got admitted to, to hospital, and then we would go every three or four hours to, uh, with, with my mother-in-law, with Kara, wrapped up a newborn baby so that Lee could feed her and then bring her home again because she couldn't look after the child. But while I'm saying that, is after, after the operation where they discovered, okay, they're going to have to cut Lee again. She had a Caesar originally. They're going to have to cut her again. Another whole operation to see what the problem is. But they couldn't do it because she had lost such a lot of blood. So they gave her numerous pints of blood. I can't remember the exact amount. It was a lot. Because they said she wouldn't last the operation if there was any more bleeding. Eventually she went for the operation and they discovered what the problem was. But if we held on to that prophecy, wouldn't you think, even though we went through it, we would have that surety that everything was going to be okay? I took a hammer in. I think I normally take a hammer in in those situations, so Lee's mom was very strong. But if we held on to the prophecy, we would have known, okay, we're going to get through it. God's going to come through for us. It's not going to be as bad as what, as what we thought. I'll never forget phoning my mom and just crying on the phone because... The doctor said, you know, it's touch and go. Am I going to lose, lose, lose my wife? You know, the happiest day of your life to have a baby girl, a child, and then to lose your wife wouldn't have been good, but God is gracious and faithful. But that's how important a prophecy is. The second one there, bullet point there, it renews our personal commitment to God and reawakens his plans and purposes in us and through us. So it renews our personal commitment with him. The third one, the memorials help us to focus on the good and the things God has done for us instead of the negative and the failures within our lives. Satan's battle of the mind, Satan. He likes to remind us about the negative. So I want to tell you this morning that Satan does three things. He comes to rob, steal, and destroy. Not so. So in the case of this, Satan comes to rob, steal, and destroy. He steals. What does he try and do? He steals your memories. 
He steals your memorials. Not so. He wants to rob your purpose and your calling. So first of all, I go back. He steals your, your memorials, your memories. He then comes to rob your purpose and your calling, your destiny call. And then what does he do? The last thing, he tries to destroy your legacy. He tries to destroy your godly legacy. And we need to be careful for that. We need to watch out for that. When God brought the children of Israel into the promised land, he gave them specific assignments. Not so. The Israelites were to displace the pagan people living in the promised territory, inhabit it, establish centers of worship and cities of refuge in each region. And likewise, Christ gives us that same call. He commissioned us to go into our promised land, into East London, into the other cities and countries that we are called to do what? To take possession, make disciples, whereby we displace the kingdom of darkness and we release the kingdom of light and heaven. As it is for us, the Israelites' success in fulfilling each part of this assignment was entirely dependent on the ability to do what God had been training them to do, which was to, number one, follow his manifest presence, not so, and to do what he said that we are to do. And Bill Johnson says the following. I like this quote. I've got it up there. It's the next slide. Bill Johnson says, We are never significant because we want to be. We are significant because we do what he says. So we're never significant because like it's you know, pride and, and we want to be significant. We are significant because we do what God tells us to do and we do it. So I believe it's simple, pure obedience. Simple, pure obedience. Reputation is what people think of us now. Legacy is what they think of us long after we are gone. So sometimes I just want to encourage you guys that when I was preparing this message, I believe that each and every one of you are significant and you are building a godly legacy. Don't underestimate your influence that you have in the world, people that you work with, your colleagues. Your influence is greater than you think. Your influence is greater than you think. Your work matters more than you think. And your influence will last longer than you think. Okay, I just want to play this video clip it's for about three minutes, especially for the fathers in the house and the mothers too with children, because sometimes we don't need words, but we need action and lifestyle to leave a legacy. The touching story as legacies are passed down from generation to generation. And I just want to come against the lie this morning too is that no matter what um, family history you come from, maybe you come from a, a divorced home or maybe you've been let down, you can start building a godly legacy. You can start the legacy now in the generations to come for your children, your children's children. To the old people in the house, <laughs> I'm going to just talk to you quickly. Moses, if you look at, maybe you're looking back on your life and your legacy in certain areas is not, 
you know, what you have wanted it to, to be. Moses was 80 years old. So who's 80? I know Auntie Joy's 80. Any other 80-year-olds here? No one. Okay. Moses was 80 years old when he was first called, when he first went and spoke to Pharaoh. 80 years old. What does that mean? It's never too late. It's never too late to make an impact and leave a, a godly legacy. And as you know, when, when Moses passed away, he was 120. And in Deuteronomy 34.9, it talks a little bit about all that he did through, through God working through him. Since that time, it says, No prophet had ever risen in Israel like who? Like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. For all the signs and wonders, how God had moved through him and performed in the land of Egypt for all the mighty power and all the great things that God had done. So it's never too late. God can work through you no matter what your age is. We will leave a legacy. A lot of people look at legacy and they look in the long areas, wrong areas. They think it's work. You know, if I put in a 10-hour day, if my bank account is full, if I just carry on saving but I neglect my family, I'll be able to leave this legacy that I can pass on to my children. They look at it in different areas, in the wrong areas. But the sad truth is a lot of those earthly legacies, they mean nothing. They are temporal. They have no eternal value. Like Andre said the other day, the only things you do for Christ, that is the legacy that has eternal value. What we call to do. And you know, the enemy comes to, to rob, steal, and destroy. And I remember um, I've been privileged enough to be on quite a few mission, mission trips. One of them was to Japan, where we planted a church. And then India, twice to India, and with Andre to, to Argentina. And what the enemy does is if we don't build the memorials, you know, and, and, and remember what happens, you have breakthrough on the mission, you know, um, Jesus comes through like never before, you've prayed for people, they've been healed, they've been set free, uh, you've prophesied, it's meant something to them, you could see it's from God, it's not yourself, but if you don't write these things down, if you don't note them, the enemy comes straight away after that mission trip and does what? He tries to steal it. Not so. He says it wasn't like that. It wasn't as effective. Those people didn't really get um, changed or healed. So the enemy will constantly attack what you don't record down. So you need to record it down so that when the enemy attacks, you can refer back and say, no, it wasn't like that. It was like this, that, and that on that day. This is what Jesus did and came through for us. And in closing, I'm just going to leave you with five keys to living a life worthy of a lasting legacy. But before I do that, I just want to read to you an interesting story how important it is to leave a godly legacy for generations to come, for your children's children. A husband and wife who walked by faith consequently left a legacy far beyond anything that they could have imagined. They lived in the 1700s, a colonial America, Their names were Jonathan and Sarah Edwards. Jonathan Edwards felt God's call to become a minister. He and his young bride began to pastor a small congregation. During the years that followed, he wrote many sermons, prayers, and books. 
and was influential in the beginning of the Great Awakening. If you research the Great Awakening, the Great Awakening was a revival that happened in the 1730s and the 40s. It was right through Europe and British America. So he was instrumental in that revival that actually happened across, across the world. But together they produced 11 children who grew into adulthood. Sarah was a partner in her husband's ministry. She also preached, and he sought her advice regarding sermons and church matters, which means they were together, the husband and wife team. They spent time talking about these things together, and when their children were old enough, the parents included them in all the discussions on a daily basis. The effects of the Edwards' lives have been far-reaching, but the most measurable the most measurable was what God has done through them in the descendants that came after them. Elizabeth Dodds recorded a study done by A.E. Winship in 1900 in which he listed a few of the accomplishments of the 1,400 Edwards descendants he was able to find. I want you to listen to this. 100 lawyers and a dean of a law school. 80 holders of public office, 66 physicians, doctors, and a dean of a medical school, 65 professors of colleges and universities, 30 judges, 13 college presidents, three mayors of large cities in America, three governors of state of America, three United States senators, one controller of the United States Treasury, and one vice president of the United States of America. What a legacy, what a, what, what a generation that followed. What an impact. And with God's help, if we start that, that godly generation now, our children that follow and their children will leave that legacy that he has created and has in store for us to do. Okay, just in closing quickly, I just want to leave us with five keys to living a life worthy of a lasting legacy, and they're going to be on there. Number one, fear the Lord and obey Him. Your legacy begins where? It begins in your heart. It's your relationship with, with the Lord. There's no better place than in His presence, and everything flows from His presence, but it's you and God together. Psalm 112.12 says, How blessed is the man who fears the Lord and who greatly delights in His commandments. His descendants will be mighty on earth, The generation of the upright will be blessed. Okay, so fear the Lord, obey Him. It's all about your relationship with Him. The second one, I believe leaving a legacy, it's through the power of God. You cannot do it in your own strength. It's through God's power working in you and through you. It is by God working through us that we are able to build a legacy that truly transcends time. It is by the power of God that we are able to touch other people's hearts to so deeply that we will forever be remembered. Christ must increase and I must decrease. The third key, recognize the world's needs, respond with compassion and action. Just like I mentioned that story about the soup kitchen in Quigney. Matthew 9.36, you know it well. God saw the multitudes and what happened? Jesus was filled with compassion. A legacy is left by being committed to doing something about our world Do we desire to reach the lost? Do we honestly desire? Do we desire to help the homeless, the widowed, the orphan, and the hungry? It is a call to action. What are we doing for the least of these? I'll leave you with that question.
The fourth key, ask God for wisdom. I believe without godly wisdom, you are hiding to, to nothing. We as Christians should be wisdom personified. But we can only get wisdom from God. God tells us clearly we should seek it because through it we can influence the world. In Proverbs 3, 13, 16, it says, Happy is the man who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding, for her proceeds are better than the profits of silver and her gain than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand riches and honor. And the last key, ask God to give your children a sense of purpose, a sense of direction, and a sense of mission. The challenge here is to leave your children a heritage, not just an inheritance. A heritage, not just an inheritance. As someone once said, our children are the messengers we send in time we will not see. We send into the time that we will not see. So I'll leave you lastly with this. What can you do today in order to build a godly legacy that will impact your tomorrow?